Welcome back to That's a Tough One, the toughest podcasters ever talking about the toughest pod topics ever. You get it one week. Hey. One of these weeks. <laughs> and this is one of your hosts, JD, and our other lovely main hostess with the most is Morgan. Hey. Co-host Morgan, and we are into the most wonderfulest time of the year. Your favorite holiday season, as of for some reason, randomly you decided this year. Thanksgiving. Yeah. The most important is holiday. Uh, <laughs> people just keep discounting it, and we need to stop this Thanksgiving slander because it is an important holiday for all everybody, <laughs> and we should just appreciate it. So that means that that's a tough one. Podcast will be. Providing Thanksgiving content, Thanksgiving-related discussions, Thanksgiving-related Reddit posts, because apparently we are not allowed to skip and go straight to the holidays until we honor Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, right? This was going on? Right. The closer okay. we get to Thanksgiving, the more Thanksgiving-heavy <laughs> these topics are going on. <laughs> oh, okay. Going to be <laughs> well, um, with that being said... Do you have any uh, minis, any minis to start the show? Whoa, whoa! Before even that, make sure oh, y'all go over to our social medias, all in the description. Go follow us because we want we want people there. Go <laughs> mm-hmm. like us, follow us, okay. send the emails. It's all in the description. I know how to handle that. Sounds good. But little quick mini story. One of my of many 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 stories. Oh, just real random, but this is back from August in the headline: former Texas cop. And live PD star trades badge for OnlyFans. Ooh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she had got a little popular on live PD, and she's a mother of two. Mm-hmm. And she decided, hey guys, while I'm gonna keep doing these this reality show about me being a cop, well, it, well, live PD is basically they they follow cops around. Yeah. And I guess there's a reason she became popular. Yeah. And now she she dropped all that. She said, I'm going to just start OnlyFans. Forget I it. mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, if you are the type of person where you are attractive enough and you, and you have the personality enough to, you know, gain a following and the producers and people who make the show, they realize that you bring in the ratings, you know, and they're making a lot of money off your likelihood and off your talent and what you're bringing to the show. And then you can also, you know, switch to a career where maybe you're not working Christmas, Thanksgiving, your kids' birthdays. You know, you have much less risk of uh, being killed on the job. I can kind of understand why she would want to capitalize on, you know, the uh, publicity she got from the show. Yeah, hey, it's a it's a good way to make money. People willing to pay for it. You're worth what somebody's willing to pay. And yeah. apparently there's enough people that are going to be paying $15 a month. Oh, I'm sure there will be. For her. Sure. I mean, she says she had over 25,000 followers on Instagram at this at that point. Yeah. Um, and she bills herself plus size, big booty having, gun slinging, tatted, <laughs> lingerie loving, all-American woman. I'm always questionable about the, the phrase all-American because I feel like that's coded for white. Mm, mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, she's out there, man. She's <laughs> she wilding out, though. Go and get your money, sis. Hey, a lot of people are changing job fields right now and, you know, rethinking their careers during the pandemic and stuff and thinking about how they can make more money and be more comfortable and healthier and happier. So shout out to her. I mean, as long as she's not harming anybody, 
cool, you know, who cares? Get that bring it. And if, if the money if the money dries up, she can always go right back to the police department if she wants to. Yeah, yeah. And if they say she can't because her content, I'm like, well, what content did you see, sir? <laughs> you, know, you pay for, you pay to see my content. Mm, I saw your picture on the profile. Yeah. Asking for that stuff, getting nasty. Shoot, the way all these, uh, just about every field is it isn't is in demand is hiring people right now. They'll probably go ahead and hire her. Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, you just come back. <laughs> you can't afford to be picky right now if you if you're trying to hire people. No. <laughs> uh, you, do you have a mini story for us also? I do. I, it's a video, so I'm gonna try to play it. We'll see how it sounds. You gonna try to play it over the? Yes, I am. Because you really need to hear the voices to get the gist of the story. All right, go for it. We'll play a little bit of it. Okay, let's see. When the SOS went up at a troubled school, who answered the call? A bunch of DADs. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Plagued with violence. Over the course of three days, another fight. 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. To but strangely, there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice. Your qualifications are? With that, we decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who? For us. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today, any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting. What's going on, buddy? You're moving fast. I like that horse. I immediately felt a form of safety. We stopped fighting. People started going to class. How could that be? You ever heard of a look? A look? Dads <laughs> have the power to do that? Yes. <laughs> not many people know it, but yes. <laughs> let's go, let's go. But it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings. Let's make it to class, my son. It's also <laughs> jokes. They just make funny jokes like, oh, hey, your suit is untied, but it's really not untied. They hate it. They're so embarrassed by it. And it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dads do so well that has helped transform this school. The school has really just been, like, happy, and you can feel it. Which is why the dads plan to keep coming to Southwood indefinitely. Because not everybody has the father figure, the father figure at home. Or a male, period in their life like so that. just to be here makes a big difference do you think you stumbled onto something here absolutely absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Have a good they'd like to start chapters of dads on duty throughout louisiana what's up big boy and hope to eventually take on the country all right without a fight <laughs> <laughs> so that's why i kind of wanted to play the, the clip because i think it was nice to kind of hear what the dad sounded like to get an idea of why they're being so effective in the school. Mm-hmm. Like they had that dad energy, you know, <laughs> like that, that the energy you can only have when you've been on this planet for a little while. You got a little meat on your bones, you know. They, they definitely <laughs> had some meat on their bones. They, de- they definitely look like they ate every Thanksgiving. They were skipping that. No, in a good, in a good way. In yeah. a good way. They, they, they seem jolly and just 
Keep everybody in good spirits. Like, hey, man, I ain't here to yell at you. I don't get paid to. Yeah. I ain't trying to lock you up or nothing. I'm just trying to, like, are you good? Yeah. I really, when I first heard that story, I really liked it because I like the idea of this community coming together and being like, hey, we got to get something changed in this school environment. Like, this is getting ridiculous. These parents, you know, they stepped up rather than pull their kids out of the school or whatever. They said, no, nah, we just going to go up there and we'll be the presence and see what's going on. And it seemed like all the kids responded really well to it. Like, just having that positive influence and that eye on you to know, like, somebody cares about me to make sure I'm getting to class. I'm safe. They speaking to me every morning. They look at me in the face, making sure I'm good, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and, and, and even if you just one of those real bad kids, it's it's real hard to try to, I want to start a fight, but damn, there's somebody here looking at me. Mm-hmm. I'll try to go in the other corner. Damn, there's somebody over here. Sometimes you just need to be overwhelmed with... Positivity. With yeah, there's mm-hmm. positive people everywhere. Like, what, you're trying to start a fight, but why are you angry? Like, what, what's wrong? Yeah. You got yeah. somebody asking you. Somebody's just asking you that. Why are you mm-hmm. angry? And that, that can make all the difference in yeah. you, you self-reflecting. Yeah, and it's not... And I'm, I'm not saying trying to say anything bad, but, like, it's it's a very different energy than if you mad and the principal getting in your face or, you know, they calling up security guards or the police on you and they, they issuing a command and you have to obey it. It's very different than somebody walking up to you and saying, hey, man, talk to me. Why are you mad? Why are you not going to class? What's the problem? Like you were saying, so I really appreciate the the school even allowing them to come in and just be a presence and try and to see how much the kids appreciate it and how it just changed the whole energy of the school. Yeah, because you got I mean you gotta you gotta try something at that point. They said you're having fights every multiple fights every day. Twenty three fights, yeah. Like what? Like what are we gonna do? The only and nobody wants to do. Hey, let's try to get ten police officers in there. You don't mm-hmm. need that type of presence in your school because that that brings a different. And I understand it's it's good to have somebody in there, but just to have that many police officers, it, it kind of weighs you down because mm-hmm. they're there to enforce the law, no matter what. You yep. got I gotta enforce the law. Mm-hmm. And we, as 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 when you just have somebody there, hey, just make sure you're good. If I do get a little fight, we can pull you apart, figure this out, and go about y'all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I like the idea of just normalizing parents being involved in school in a, in a positive way. Like I think we've been seeing a lot of the opposite of, you know, people going to school board meetings and acting a fool and, you know, trying to come to schools and fight kids and stuff like that. But these people, you know, they just came in and said, we're going to use our presence just to create a better environment and to acknowledge that it's a lot of kids who don't have role models or father figures or men in their lives. Like I think sometimes we also do a lot of focusing on, you know, negative in- images of men and especially negative images of black men. So to see these men coming in and saying like, look, our presence is important and it is needed. And sometimes you do just need, like a couple of the kids said, like you do just need a look. You need somebody to gather you yeah. lovingly, but still with some authority and some presence. And I think that's a, that's a thing that only those type, like they look like some, you know, 40-something, 50-something black men who throw down on a barbecue and, you know, like, they got their little sweats hat in the summer, but we all know an uncle, a dad, or a grandpa like that, and it's like, they just have a different air and a presence about them where you're not gonna mess around in front of them. Yeah, you just trying to have a good time. They having a good time. It's like, why Why you, you, you're not want, you don't want to be angry. You just want to enjoy yeah. their time, have a good time with them. Mm-hmm. And then they, they'll call you in lovingly if you need to be addressed or spoken to. and But that don't mean they're going to stop loving you or anything. It's very different than 
you know, some of the experiences that some of these other kids probably have at home or in school. And so I really do hope they're able to continue uh, just coming in and intervening like that, just being a good example for these kids and other other parents around the country. Like, hey, if you want to see a change in your kid's school, just come in and be a presence there. Oh, yeah. Come in and be a positive presence and set an example. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that's great. And this, mm-hmm. this kind of leads into my first story. Oh, perfect. Okay. I, and I guess probably not in the best way. Oh, okay. As when these fathers, not to say my story, the person is not trying to be a good father. He probably did what's best for his family. But I'm just going to read the the headline for you. Okay. Long Longhorns coach's girlfriend, monkey, allegedly attacks kid. Woman blames kid. I, I really cannot wait to hear how you make the connection between my story because <laughs> I, I i would say that it doesn't sound like it, there are any similarities there and it's not really just the fact that okay the only quick similar similarity is the uh just a quick overview longhorn stands for the university of texas is um sports team their football team and he is a coach there um and he is a father and just a little quick background on him. He's mm-hmm. the special team coach for the University of Texas Longhorns football okay. team. And he was at the University of Alabama's football team. But while he was at Alabama, he left his wife and children mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. his new stripper girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So he is a father, technically. And I would like to think that he's in the Texas area. Maybe he wouldn't be a dad on duty. <laughs> I don't think he got time. Yeah, it probably not. Like it. <laughs> yeah, not, not with his stripper girlfriend. No. Mm. And that's just wild in in, in itself. A high level coach, and mm-hmm. now you get a story about you leaving your wife for your um, stripper girlfriend. And it turns out, and it's not the fact that she's a, she's being a stripper. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She got all the dance moves, but during her routine, she does use a little monkey, mm-hmm. who's a pet, and her nickname is the Pole Assassin. And Pole Assassin was on Jerry Springer prior mm-hmm. as, as a featured dancer mm-hmm. in the background. Mm-hmm. So she's just an interesting character all around. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's a personality. Probably why you like her. She sounds like a very exciting woman. Yes, and and you know what? And they lived together, and they were having a little haunted house kind of area in one part of the yard. Mm-hmm. And they had some of the neighborhood children come over, and but they made sure to mark an area as do not enter. But to uh, I think the age was like ten or eleven. If okay. you're at a little haunted house, and it says do not enter, it's like okay, I'm supposed to go here. And it said mm-hmm. monkey in the back. Like, I want to go see a monkey. Yeah. So the boy went back there and apparently got bit on the face by a monkey. Had to pry it off. But the family didn't say anything until the pole assassin was contacted by a veterinarian saying, hey, we have somebody with monkey bites. Mm. Can you, is your monkey good or no? Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a funny story. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like the monkey is probably going to be put down, I'm guessing. No, as of right now, there is no criminal element. Okay. Um, Just due to it being more of a civil nature to this case. Mm, but I, I thought, like, it's, if a, a animal attacks a person, a human being, usually they just always go ahead and put them right down. That's what I thought. I could be wrong. They don't always. It, it does depend on circumstances. Okay. Like, okay. is it, does, 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 how, how is the attack... And does this animal have a history of aggression? Because, like, if you have a dog and it, okay. it, it bit one person, it, you had a dog for five years and it bit somebody, but it's like, okay, they got a bite mark, but it, he didn't, like, take... Now, if he bites them and tears their flesh away from their skin, okay, okay. we're probably going to put him down. Mm-hmm. 
Because that, that goes to the, the viciousness of the dog. But he, he, right now, we don't know if he's going to get the keep, if they're going to get to keep the monkey. That's a cute monkey. That's a little picture. Mm-hmm. Mm. It is. It is. But Polo Assassin does have to keep that monkey in check. Mm-hmm. You can't have him around. Oh, I'm trying to play videos. I can't play yeah, no videos on no Polo Assassin. Mm-hmm. And then she tried to post online that the monkey. Of how the how the fence was set up and how you weren't supposed to go in the backyard, mm-hmm. but it, it was Halloween and there was an area that said "Do not enter." That sounds scary. I mean, I think people always just gonna do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't read signs, as I learned from working at the museum. Uh, I worked at a museum in Chicago for like like a summer or something like that, in between freshman and sophomore year of uh, college. And I would literally sometimes be standing underneath a sign and people would ask me where the thing is for like the sign I was standing under. <laughs> and I would just like point directly at them like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> yes, there, there are huge signs that we spent a lot of money making and putting up so that way you would know where you are, where to go. And you just chose to do everything but look at that sign. So it doesn't surprise me that somebody would see a do not enter sign and still proceed to enter. It's like what happens to zoos all the time. Yeah, yeah. People, people do not care about zoos, but mm-hmm. and then you got a kid by himself, and I guess the sign said, "Do not enter emotional support animal. No touching." But he, can, you, can a monkey be an emotional support animal? Anything can be an emotional support animal. It's different than being a service animal. That requires a lot more training, mm-hmm. um, which is why a lot of airlines and stuff don't like people to have emotional support animals anymore because it doesn't mean that that thing is trained. Mm, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can. Especially you get on the plane. I think we just watched some video. Some somebody's dog had an accident trying to get on the plane. Yeah, they they bite people. They go to the bathroom. Those are usually emotional support animals. Mm, I can be service service dogs wouldn't pass if they did any. They don't react to other dogs. You know all that type of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I think I, on both times when I've been to Target, I've seen people with dogs, and I can tell one was a. Sir, service animal because it was it was right next to his person. Yeah, it it wasn't. It was looking at people, but in in regards to make sure they're not mm-hmm. approaching their person too fast. And then I think like a week later, I go into Target and some lady got some dog. They got the best on, but it's not following no no rules. It's running around trying to get people to pet it. Like your dog ain't trying to let nobody touch him. Yeah, and that sucks. Some people buy those service dog vests online and stuff like that, and they don't. Um, they're not really trained because. It can be dangerous, especially depending on what type of environment you are, kids around, that type of stuff. But, I mean, personally, I don't really think people should keep monkeys as pets. Mm, yeah, mon- monkeys need so much room and care. It's like, well, he likes being in there. Well, that's all he knows because he's been a pet his whole life. Yeah, and I, like, I know some people who just like, they have smaller, smaller monkeys and things like that. But it is still like... It's a wild animal, just in the same way that dogs can can attack and hurt people. And dogs have been bred for centuries to be around human beings. Like, you just don't really know with a monkey. And we, it's so many stories of people's monkeys getting older and, and biting their face off or, you know, getting more and more dangerous, bigger, stronger. So... I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to the kid, and I know the monkey is part of her gimmick, and she probably loved that monkey at this point. But yeah, I don't know. I just think people shouldn't have them. Yeah, it's the difference between trained and domesticated. Mm-hmm. Like you have a trained monkey, but it's not a it's not domesticated in the sense that it, it's bred to live with people. Mm-hmm. 
you just trained it since it was a small child and a small monkey child, monkey baby. Yeah. And it's just it's just it's just a difference in how how that works. But hopefully everybody able to fig- they're, they're able to figure it out, and hopefully the monkey can still at least stay with her, and just nobody go try to speak pole assassin's pet anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's enough pole assassin and dad's <laughs> on duty. Yeah. Um, well, I figured that I would do something a little bit different today. What? Nani? <laughs> and just do a couple of um, Reddit posts instead of a, a, two, a full story. All right. Um, so, because especially because it's Thanksgiving coming up, it's the holidays. And I think the holidays are so stressful for so many people because... It means getting, you know, a lot of times getting together with your larger family, maybe seeing some relatives who you don't enjoy seeing. <laughs> you only have to see, you know, once a year. You have to suffer through it. it. It requires like a lot of travel. Sometimes it's just the holidays can be enjoyable, but they can also be really stressful just because of all the decisions and the different dynamics that are, that are happening and coming to play. And sometimes people are managing like grief disappointment excitement all those different types of things so i was like let's do some reddit stories and talk through some situations and i think that you know maybe as we talk through these if you and the audience are experiencing any of them then you know it's helpful in helping you make some decisions about how to navigate all that crazy family drama during the holidays so you ready hey let's go i'm ready to navigate some crazy (laughs) family drama all right let's start with Am I the asshole for calling my son's wife disrespectful for bringing her own food to my Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, cause I'm not sure of her dietary needs. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to say and she, she might be the asshole for call, calling her that. Now yeah. she's about a whole nother turkey now. <laughs> I'm like, alright now, you gonna come run these hands back. If she brought a whole nother turkey that would be really uh, impressive because it, it takes a lot to well if you won't make it good <laughs> it takes a lot of work to, to make a whole entire turkey um and when you don't have to but here's the story so they are the writer is uh 45 and they have a son who recently got married and the, the son is 23 the wife's name is Sarah. She's 22. So I think it's important to point out they're kind of young. Mm-hmm. Um, they say we get along just fine as a family, but she's passive aggressive sometimes. She loves food. Always is open to trying my cooking, but sometimes she'll make a few negative comments about certain meals and will say like, oh, you should use this ingredient instead next time. I invited them over for Thanksgiving yesterday. Oh, and by the way, this is, these people are in Canada because uh, Canadian Thanksgiving is a little bit before ours for those who don't know. Yeah, they, they had theirs on the wrong date, but we'll let, we'll, we'll let them slide. <laughs> on a Monday? What kind of... <laughs> which, that to me is horrible because, and I know we are like going off on a tangent, but American Thanksgiving is perfect because you have Thursday off, so that means sometimes you get Wednesday off too. And then you, most people get Friday off from their job as well, depending on what type of job you have. So it's like you get a built-in mm-hmm. extra couple days off from work, you know, as opposed to if it's on a Monday, that means you're going to work on Tuesday, yeah, you know? Yeah, depending on your work, and then they're going to try to taper it down that week anyway. You don't want to try to ramp it up, and they're going to be off for two days. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are going to be real light if you're not just off on Wednesday. Yeah, like Canadian Thanksgiving, and I, we could be wrong, but I'm assuming... 
you going to work. If you're not going to work Tuesday, you back at work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And, and that sucks. And they treating that like a regular work. Yeah. We ramping it back up mm-hmm. when you get in. All right. So anyway, mm-hmm. so um, they were invited over to Thanksgiving. The bell rang. Sarah was carrying what seemed to be a container, but I didn't pay any attention to it. Um, that she says that she cooked the traditional Thanksgiving, you know, with all the fixings and the turkey. Sarah then put the container on the table and started unloading food onto her plate. Everyone was watching as my eyes widened. I asked, what was she doing? And she brought her, she said she brought her own food to eat since she won't eat what I cooked. I was stunned and politely asked if there was a reason for what she was doing. And she shook her head. I asked if she was vegan. She said, no. I asked if she was allergic to anything at the table. She said no. I asked if she had an upset stomach. I said, she said no. And I said, well, why not just eat the food I cooked all day? She just smug smiled at me, which set me off. I told her it was disrespectful of her to bring food to Thanksgiving dinner that I was hosting. And she started arguing and she said she can, she should eat whatever she wants. Um, I said, it's about basic respect and decency. Tim asked her to at least try some of the dishes unprepared but she lashed out and said that we were being unbelievable that we should force her to eat something um i said it wasn't like that but she just got up and said she didn't appreciate how i insulted her she grabbed her stuff walked out tim quietly followed i was upset everyone was staring my husband said i should have just let it go and not commented on sarah's food choice but i couldn't help but feel disrespected in my own home he said I made dinner awkward by focusing so much honestly. Um, Tim texted me and said he apologized, but he wants me to talk to Sarah to clear up the confusion. But I'm not sure how there's any confusion since she chose to bring food into my house after I cooked, especially for her and the others. So. Man, she <laughs> is the... That that little girl is a big asshole. Big old hairy asshole. Uh-huh. If... I've been to people's house where I didn't like their cooking. Mm-hmm. And all I did was simply make sure I ate before I went mm-hmm. there. So I'm not starving. I'm going to eat a little bit. I'm going to put a little bit on my plate. I'm going to eat it. It's all good. But I'm not going to go to somebody's house and bring my own food. Especially when, they, when they're when they making dinner. Now, if you just go to somebody's house chilling, go grab it from Chick-fil-A. That's all good. But the fact you prepared a whole you meal. You come over to eat on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yes, yes. You know there's a whole meal being cooked. And you prepared a whole counter meal because you just so you pretty much saying you despise my food and you're just and it's just so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. I think as a person, like the the part that is interesting to me, and I this may be a cultural thing, and I'm not saying that everybody has to feel this way, but to me as a woman. I want want to get along with my mother-in-law and I want to show my mother-in-law respect so that she'll like me, you know? And like, I also recognize that you don't, there are rules about how you navigate somebody else's kitchen and food and cooking and all those types of things. Like it's almost like a territorial thing for a lot of women, especially the woman who is the matriarch of the family. So for you to come into that family and you're criticizing her food, and then you show up with a little whole other meal. Like you cooked all the same food and brought it in Tupperware and made a show of putting it on the plate at the table. To me, it's like, why do you, why are you so disrespectful to your mother-in-law? You know what I mean? Like, even if you don't get along with her, that's still your husband's mother and her house. And so why do you feel comfortable being so disrespectful to that woman? Yes. And it's, and there's like so many easy solutions. Like ask her, Hey, is it okay if I make a dish or two 
Like maybe she always makes like the macaroni, but you're like, you think maybe this year I can make it and bring Ooh, it no, over? No, 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 you don't do that. You don't do that, baby. Mm-mm. Ask to bring a dish Mm-mm. over. Mm-mm. This is what you do. You go and you you contact the mother in law ahead of time and yeah. you say, hey, is there anything I can help with? Is there anything I can take off your plate? You know, can I bring anything? And then if she says no, then when you get there on Thanksgiving, you ask, can I help you cook anything? Or you come in the kitchen and you ask, can you help? That's what you do. You don't offer to bring nothing up. I mean, if you say I like cooking, can I make a dish? You ask, is there anything I can do to help? Is there anything I can make and take off your plate? You don't come in there and ask somebody to make macaroni and cheese and say they macaroni and cheese. I, I feel like you can ask to make a dish, though. If you just say, hey, I'm really good at making this dish. It's the only thing I really know how to cook. So you saying you you saying your dish is better than your mom in laws then? That's what you're saying. Yeah, nobody's saying that. You uh-uh. just ask, oh my god. I, I I feel like people in the audience will agree with me on this one. You do not come in nobody. That's like going over somebody's house for a barbecue, and you walk up to the grill and you say, oh yeah, unk, move aside. My ribs gonna be better than yours. I know how to make them better. You don't do that. That's not what's happening. Hey, I want to make a dish. <laughs> Can I please make a dish? I want to feel like I'm involved. We saying the same thing, but it's just how you ask it. You have to come in. You can't come in to a woman's kitchen and insinuate that you can make a dish better than she can. You can't do that. Not with your mama-in-law. Not with your aunties. And No, especially because you're an outsider in the family just coming in. You cannot do that. Well, she's been there. She just seen disrespectful. And the other thing, too, to me is... If I was to ever do something like that, like if I'm going to bring my own food, and it was a time when I was when I was vegan or when I was pescatarian that I had to kind of navigate those things. Mm. But I would never, like if I was going to bring my own container of food, I'd probably fix my plate in the kitchen and bring my plate out and set it down. Yeah. I wouldn't make a big show of opening the Tupperware because it, it just looks weird and you know that's going to draw attention and that people are going to get a reaction from that. Like, you knew which is why you did that. You know, you made a big old show of it. Yeah, it's a passive-aggressive thing like Mother Law said. Like, you're just being super passive-aggressive yeah. for no for no reason. Maybe that's how people in your family are. So you're like, well, mm-hmm, I'm going to do this mm-hmm. so she knows my food is better than hers. But you don't, you're not coming out on top. And now, hopefully, I hope that she sees this one day and so she knows that she is losing. And I disagree with, um, I disagree with the husband because I feel like, like he's saying, well, we should have just, you should have called her out about it. You should just let it go. And like, and so we could all have just enjoyed our meal. But it's really hard. Like, have you ever had to sit in a situation where you were disrespected mm-hmm. and just sit there fuming angry? Especially after you don't spend all day cooking for Thanksgiving, probably the day before too. You put so much work and time and energy into preparing that meal and somebody comes in and they disrespect you like that at your house, at your table. You know, and I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, this is just like a petty thing. You need to just let it go. But you letting it go is going to show her that she could just keep doing that to you. Yeah, no, she she's being completely disrespectful. There's no, there's no, well, what if? No, she she knew what she was doing. She's, mm-hmm. it's like, do you, so do you want me to believe your, your wife is dumb, sir? So you married a right. dummy. Right. <laughs> and she had a whole argument ready because she then turned and went to, well, you can't force me to eat something I don't want to eat. It's not about that. It's not about somebody forcing you to eat something that you don't want to eat. It's about how you navigated that. Like, if you don't like your mom in law cook, cooking, that's fine. But you can't disrespect her like that. Like, you need to find something on that on that table that you can eat. Like, unless the food is giving you, is making you sick, you know, or it's cat hair in it or something like that. 
Like, even if you think it's bland or it don't taste good, you need to eat you some mashed potatoes mm-hmm. or something. Like, choke it down. Like you said, eat a couple bites, move some food around on the plate. Oh, you know, I, just, I have a little bit of a headache. I'm kind of tired. I, I, I think I'm done eating. Thank you so much for the dinner. And then you, when you leave, you go home and you eat your food or whatever. But I just think it was so many ways to handle that situation better. Yeah, just, just don't don't go over nobody's house hungry where you don't, you don't enjoy their food. It just makes it so much easier because if you... And she, I mean, that's just disrespectful. I, yeah. I, I, I keep saying it over and over it again. It is disrespectful. But I never heard of somebody bringing their own whole dish to somebody else's dinner. Yeah, I, I just, I think some people, like, you know better and you know what you're doing, how you're going to get a rise out of somebody. Especially because if this is an ongoing dynamic in your relationship is she feels like she needs to critique your food, like maybe she feels threatened, like she wants to be the person that's known as the chef in the family or the good cook in the family. You know, like you said, maybe that's just how her family is socialized to be like real snarky and and backhanded or whatever. But as a mother-in-law, I would be worried about like, this is the woman my son is going to have children with. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially after she did, she sees this and sees the whole internet thing. She is so petty. She's going to be like, oh, your mother-in-law, she, what, why would she do this to me? I mean, I'm thinking of it in terms of her her the way she handles things mm-hmm. how is she going to handle a situation with her children yes you know yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting yeah so most of the most of the commenters agreed with the op that she was not the asshole um a lot of people said they felt like it was never about the food it was more so her finding a way to kind of disrespect the mother in her own home um they said similar to what you said i said through some terrible meals terrible company People with, you know, special, terry, special dietary requirements, but nobody has ever unpacked a lunch <laughs> at a table. Like, and a lot of people are saying they feel like it's more to the story. Like, it's more to um, explain why the relationship has gotten to be to, be to this point. Um, some other people n- noted the fact that they wonder if the there's like a cultural component of maybe she's not she doesn't eat the traditional thanksgiving food but i would kind of push back on that because the op said that the mother i mean the daughter-in-law has a habit of critiquing all her meals yeah. even outside of the holiday yeah this this just seems like an ongoing issue yeah someone said um the first year they ate with their in-laws they don't they don't eat turkey they they brought their own ham and it felt weird and that, that like everybody felt awkward about it and they said they should have just sucked it up and had some extra bread on a plate and called it a day. Yeah, unless you tell them, can I, just, if you clear with them first, hey, all right, can, it's okay if I bring ham, and then you bring a whole ham, don't bring slices just for you. Yeah. That's, that's, I feel like that's when it gets weird. She brought something mm. specifically for her, not for anybody else, mm-hmm. and that's the petty part. Instead of saying, I brought a dish, which she should have cleared with her anyway if she was going to do that. Yeah. But, it's like it would have been if she would have bought a dish or two dishes without clearing it with her. It's still petty. It's mm-hmm. less petty than what she just did, but it's still petty. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's interesting. So some people are saying like there's a quite a few comments in here pointing out that they feel like there's some type of cultural issue happening um, in terms of the way the mom described like her food is traditional. And the other person's food is like coming out of a mystery box. But I still feel like even if there is a cultural difference and a cultural component, maybe that's where the husband comes in. Like, um, 
like my brother has done when when his when he first introduced his now wife to us she has different dietary restrictions and things and my brother was just like oh hey you know certain meat products can you prepare them separately from each other or certain things and I feel like that's a, a lot of different cultures and religions and people even who have like they're vegan <coughs> excuse me they're not used to eating like if you cook something in the same skillet where there was animal fat they'll get sick mm-hmm. and I think as, as a partner it's your job to kind of be that go between and explain oh, yeah, can you prepare this food differently or can you do this for that person? Like, don't put your your partner, the person that's the outsider coming in, in the position where they have to make those requests. So even if, if that was the case where maybe the wife is of a different culture and she doesn't eat those traditionally, like traditional Thanksgiving foods, where was Tim to come in and say that, you know? Yeah, yeah, this, this should have been a conversation they've been had, especially if they, it seems like she's been there before, she's been to their house so it's it, it, it it's more to the story than we're getting it's probably like a key component like maybe there is a cultural difference um she just comes from a different culture because some, something just seems off i still think the, the the opening the container at the table and making the plate at the table to me is the thing that all the other stuff aside that move right there is still messy as hell oh yeah yeah okay. well be interested to hear what the audience thinks about that one and you know um i think as more people have different dietary needs like some people are gluten-free some people are vegan now you know some people don't eat pork anymore i think that's a big one in a lot of households around the holidays like no i can't put pork in the in the greens like no a lot of us don't eat pork anymore you know (laughs) just having to make those changes so um what's your next story well the next story is a very recent developed story mm-hmm. in the title. Eight dead, hundreds injured at Astroworld Fest Friday night, hours after Stampede. Mm-hmm. So our boy, Travis Scott, I guess down in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. he was having a little music festival, had plenty mm-hmm. of different artists, and they had a mosh pit, and mm-hmm. people died. Because apparently there were what about 50,000 people come to this music event and people mm-hmm. rushing in so who even knows what the numbers were uh everybody was crowded into a small area that's so many people yeah 50,000 people and it's it's a developing story all this is developing we're learning new information every everything that went on during the festival how things were not set up for the success of the festival based on the how many people were coming there and just all across social media people been saying their stories about what happened how it was just poorly run how they were treated once they made it into like the middle where the little mosh pit was happening yeah kind of and it was it was crazy seeing all that stuff on social media yeah it was hard it was hard to read and watch yeah because apparently eight people died unfortunately one of them was a 14 year old young man Oh wow! I'm not sure how he. He's so young. Yeah, it's like was there not a age restriction for? I mean, them? when you have people rush the gate. Yeah, and <laughs> that really don't matter. That and that's point. the thing. Like, was was it planned or because for everybody to organize? Like, hey, we're just gonna rush in, and then for the organizers not to just say, hey, everybody, you gotta leave. We're gonna re get mm. people in. Y'all just said, okay, I guess y'all just in now. That's a lot of people to get out of an area, and they probably wanted to start the shows on time, but. I think from what I understand that it's not the first time that that he has uh, kind of encouraged people to 
to rush the gate and kind of storm the show and do this because it's not the first time that it's happened. Um, and he's never like disavowed that behavior and kind of encouraged it. Yeah. And I know he also kind of encourages raging in his shows, uh, which I think is kind of like a mo- like a newer way that people are referring to like mosh pits and stuff like that. And then we it may be two completely different things, so you know we don't know, but uh, we're just kind of going off the information that we have based on what's coming out now. So if you like in the community, you know different terms. Apologies for that, but yeah, I think um, it's really hard to hear and hear about something like that that has happened. And have so much footage of it, of people, you know, dead bodies and people trying to do CPR on each other, people trying to get the, the show to be stopped. It's hard to, to watch and see that stuff because, you know, it didn't have to happen and it could have been prevented. And it was so many, so many different ways that it could have been stopped and it just wasn't. It's such a high number, too, for an event to have eight people die because, you know, hey, things happen. People, unfortunately, people do die every day. Somebody has a heart attack. Uh, maybe if somebody used drugs and had an adverse effect on their body and they passed, but to have eight people all at one day of an event, all in one small area too. It wasn't like, hey, this is a sprawling thing happening across the city and we had eight people die across, like say, Freaknik 96 in Atlanta. If you said eight people died over the course of a week across the whole city, okay, that's to be expected. That happens. But all in just confined to this one area for this event. And it's not like people were ODing on, and I know there were there are rumors that there were there were dirty drugs being circulated, but it's not like people died from an overdose. You know, it was that they were they died a really 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 bad gruesome death, and a death that was preventable. You know, and something they couldn't get themselves out of, and other people there had to witness, and then there was other people there who were preventing them getting the aid that they needed to where they could have had a better chance of surviving. So. I mean, I think that the anger that a lot of people have right now is is fully justified. And I think it's um, really weird to see people on social media kind of defending the deaths of all these people. as like, well, that's just the byproduct of rage and that's just what happens in these type of environments. People have to know, like, people are there to have a good time. And, you know, why would it be expected to stop the show? It's like, well, because people are dying? Yes, if... If one person dies at your event because of a mosh pit incident, like, whoa, hey, let's stop the show. We got to figure out what's going on. We don't want more people to die. Yeah. But but to say there are eight people and, and say, hey, if you want to go say like two of them, hey, those are drug overdoses and nothing they, they could do. Okay, fine. But that's still six people, maybe five people at least die yeah. because of the results of this mosh pit. And even if they were having something drug related or a uh, medical attack when, when the ambulance tries to get there and people jump on it and start dancing causing them not to be able to move to help that person we got a problem and it doesn't even really sound like it was an intentional mosh pit it sounds like what happened was it was crowd crush uh, like we watched another video about this and from what I understand from the the story of a person who was there she said that it was just as as it got closer to Travis Scott performing Obviously, like, you know, if you've ever been in a concert, when the main act starts coming on, people rush to the front. They push in. And so, because it was so many people, it got to the point where you couldn't move. You couldn't even shuffle your feet from side to side. And and she said it was, like, people who put their arms up to scream and they, like, to cheer. They weren't able to put their arms back down because it was, like, any space 
that opened up people filled in because everybody was just trying to find a way to stay on their feet. And so eventually people started screaming and yelling for help. No help was coming. They couldn't get any space. They started collapsing. And then as they collapsed, somebody would see like an opening, not really, not realizing that a person fell there and they would just like move into it so they could get a little bit more space. And so people started kind of getting sucked down and, then like with the sway of the crowd people start stepping on top of each other and so she talked about like falling down and seeing people down there and now and just realizing like oh we're standing on top of people and so i think it, it just seems like in a certain part of that crowd it was just so it was nowhere to go and people who were in the middle just started being compressed and compressed and compressed but i think the rager part comes in was at the height of his show when they were trying to get the people out of the crowd, when they were trying to crowd surf people who were unconscious, when the security was trying to get, the medics were trying to get to people when the um, first aid finally came, they were trying to get two people in that area. The rest of the crowd was stopping them from doing it because they were raging. They was partying. Yeah, they, yeah they, hey, they were having a good time. They, and I mean, I understand they don't know what's going on. But at some point, you have to realize, hey, this is emergency personnel. Maybe they're responding to an emergency. And uh, y'all all were just wasted and so lost out your mind that y'all couldn't perceive that. Y'all had enough energy to do them stupid-ass dances on top of the emergency vehicle. But you didn't know it it might be actually going to an emergency. And three, and three, and I know you talked about crowd crush. 300 people had to seek medical attention after yeah. this event. It's not like those eight people died and there were like five people that yeah, were hurt. Yeah. No, like 300 people. How many of those people were minutes away from possibly also becoming deceased or suffering serious injury? Because we don't know the full extent of yeah. all those people that were injured. They were hurt enough to have to seek medical attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really sad to know. And like we um, we talked about this earlier today, but a lot of videos have gone out on social media of other concerts where the the performers on stage saw that the medics were trying to get to somebody. They saw something was happening in the crowd. They saw a commotion and they stopped the show. They stopped the music and they made sure that the, like their fans were safe. They made sure that the, the medical, you know, attention was able to be given to people so that people could survive. And these things don't happen. Cause like, you know, there are other major festivals that happen. There are other, genres of music they're really encouraged like they have moshing and pits and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. and they have ways to keep people safe because you want you don't want people to die because you want your artists to continue to be able to perform you want to keep going to these concerts so everybody is incentivized to keep people alive and so what does this say about this audience of people that they couldn't recognize what was going on or didn't care Nobody on a, on a mass scale, some of the people did not want to stop having a good time, even though it meant other people were dying next to them. Yes, because it, it, it's just been scaled up because in 20, 2019, the last time he had this festival, three people died. Mm-hmm. Now you, it's 2021, you have eight people die. If, yep. you, if you're part of his team or part of the people, the, 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 the people that insure these events, insure this venue, they can't afford to have this anymore. They have to pay for all those people, the deceased people. 
They have to be a payout for them. They have to yeah. be a payout for all those medical injury, bills to the people that yeah. weren't hurt. If somebody suffered, say, a serious injury, say they broke their ankle or something because yeah. something happened at that concert, yeah. they have to pay for all that rehab. This can be a year, years and years process having to pay for this one thing that happened. Not to mention the people who are staff who are going to sue because they were traumatized. Mm-hmm. Because you put them in a situation where they were, they didn't have the skills to handle that. Like, it was, there were people who were medics um, who had medical training in the crowd and they, you know, took, took time off from their day, already exhausted from working and working with COVID clients in this climate, this medical client, went to a music festival, saw there was a need, jumped into action because that's what they do. And they witnessed medics not knowing how to get people first aid, quit it on the spot, people trying to get their friends first aid. There was a story about a woman who was, um, she's a nurse, was giving somebody first aid the police showed up, pushed her away from the stretcher, uh, picked the picked the woman up who was on the stretcher and dropped the stretcher, and the woman fell on her face, who did later die. So it just seems like that was a lot of chaos happening there, and so you know those people gonna those people are gonna sue because yeah. they probably got. I mean, how many people came out of that situation with some PTSD? Yeah, like you like you were saying, people people literally were falling and seeing people being crushed on the ground. Yeah. And they were lucky enough to be able to get back up, but those people weren't. Right. How many of those people that were just crushed on the ground died? And what's, and what's to say somebody wasn't standing next to somebody, somebody that was that passing out and you're Dying. basically just yeah. shoulder to shoulder holding them up. With a dead body. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really sad because nobody goes to, nobody ever goes out to those events thinking that they're going to die. You don't think you're going to die. You don't think you're going to die in such a way you feel like it's always, oh, if I was ever in danger, I would have a way to get out. I would figure something out. It's not going to be me until it is you. And I think that's, it's just so sad that there were chances and opportunities that everybody had to stop that show. Mm-hmm. Calm the crowd down. Disperse the crowd. Cut them, like you said before, cut the lights on. Turn the mics off. Something had to happen. And I think we need to think about two things. One. Travis Scott's role in encouraging his fan base to behave in this way. And we know there's evidence. That's why he's been deleting all of his tweets. Anything about raging, moshing, storming gates, anything like that, he's deleted all of it in the last 24 hours. So we need to talk about Travis Scott's accountability in this. And we also need to talk about where we are as a society because I feel like a lot of this is just a byproduct of this messaging we've been hearing about from the last two years about COVID in terms of like death is just acceptable now to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And some people were like, well, only eight people died, but it's like that only eight people. That's a lot of people to die at a concert. 300 people were still injured. And this is like the same argument that people say like, well, only some, only a small amount of people are dying from COVID, but we're not looking at the large number of people that are impacted from COVID and the health effects and their family, the families of the people who are left behind when they die. And I'm not about to get on that soapbox, but I just feel like it's, it's unhealthy as a society for us to start getting used to like me having fun to me, like eight people dying is an acceptable loss for everybody else to be able to have a good time and for the live stream to keep going and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like eight people, people are literally dying while you're performing to that scale and those event organizers should be ashamed because once they were notified by uh, first responders there, hey, you have to shut this down because, <coughs> I'm sorry, mm-hmm. all, all these people are just dying out in the crowd. Yeah. 
it took them over 30 minutes to finally, hey, shut it all down. Like 30 minutes? That could be, that could That's be life one or person. Death. Yeah, that could be one person that you save. You never know. That's life or death. I mean, you're talking about being unconscious and not, ha- and like the lady who was, um, <laughs> The medic, or you know, she was a guest, but she ended up helping the medic, so she had medical training. She said those people who had no pulse for fifteen minutes. Yeah, and people can't get they can't get to them. They can have all the best medical personnel there and first responders mm. there to help, but if you can't get to them, there's nothing yeah. they can do. I it's just really sad, and I'm wondering what the outcome of this event is going to be in terms of when we think about the nature of concerts in the future. Yeah, because that. You know? Yeah, because that. I can't imagine there'll be anybody that'd be willing to work with whoever organized this event. Yes, it will. Because the thing about it is, if, if you go online and you look at it right now, it is so many people defending Travis Scott. And there's so many people who do not care that those, those fans lost their lives. And it, a 10-year-old boy was injured and a 14-year-old boy died. It, the next time Travis Scott has a, has a concert, people will go to it and the tickets will still sell out. And I think that that's the scary part is, now is your are your concerts going to be known to be, oh, you know, you could die at that concert. And then pe- certain types of people will want to go and they'll be more wild and more crazy mm-hmm. because they feel like this concert is really pushing the limit in a certain way, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and you don't, you don't want that crowd. Like, I know you, hey, you want to try to elevate this culture, but you start getting people that just want to do harm going in there knowing, yeah. like, hey, man, this is all part of the event. And you, you really want to look down and see somebody just really beating somebody for no reason. One of your fans yeah. trying to enjoy themselves. Well, I mean, I would argue maybe he does because there's also footage of him on like on stage performing and he's up on a big platform and he is looking at the paramedic trucks trying to get the lights and the people doing getting CPR done on them. You see that he sees it happening, and he does not shut the concert down. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't even stop performing to say, "Hey, y'all, make a way, make a way." Nothing. And so it makes you wonder, like, this is the reputation that you want for your shows. Yeah. Well, shout hey, shout out to the people that are gonna go. It's gonna be a completely different crowd next time. You're probably not gonna do no show anytime soon. It might take about two years for. He'll be back next year. I, I doubt he'll be back that soon, depending on the litigation that's happening. If you just had somebody die in 2019, you had three people die in 2019, <laughs> and the only reason they didn't have it last year was because of COVID. Yeah, I, three people is a lot. I'm not saying it's not a lot, but. It, it's something that the numbers keep going up. Now, if you had three people die, then the next last year he would have had like one person, and this year it was two people. It probably just would have kept going, and nobody would have thought anything of it. Eight people's. It, 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 I don't it, think he cares. I, especially not. looking historically, look at other other big name, not other big name, other bands or artists that have had people die at their concerts in ways that like were were really um, like cultural touchstones or made headlines. So like. Ariana Grande, you know, she had the shooting at her concert. Um, I can't remember the band that was performing, but there was a concert venue where there was a fire and some of the doors were chained. And a lot of people couldn't get out and, the, and the, um, they died. A lot of fans died. Those those bands, those acts, they don't perform anymore. They make big changes. They advocate for the victims and all that type of stuff. And Travis Scott doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He's been arrested because he incites his fans to go crazy in his in his festivals and concerts. Mm-hmm. Literally been arrested for that at Lollapalooza. And so he's not learning his lesson. Yeah, well, 
Time will tell, and hopefully, hopefully he's grown, and hopefully he's able to just learn. Like, hey, maybe I, maybe we can calm it down a little for so we don't have eight people just dying as I try to sing sicko mode to them. Auto tune. I don't. Ha- I don't have any confidence in that. I think he'll find some people to insure him because they know he'll sell tickets. I think he'll find a venue where he'll perform because you know it's places in this country. Where they feel like it's a free market, and if you want to take a risk, but that, see, insurance sales doesn't have anything to do with the ticket sales. Like you're just paying that, yeah, that premium. It doesn't matter how much you sell. But if he was able to find somebody to insure him after three people died, I feel like he'll be able to do it after eight people died. But that was three people died, and maybe a couple people injured. When you have eight people dying, over three hundred people seeking medical attention, that's 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 a that's a completely different scale. I don't know. I I just feel like trash people will find a way to continue to do what they do because they're not going to be held. He's not going to be held accountable other than maybe he'll get a lot of backlash on social media, but his fan base is even, they're defending him even more now than they were when the, when the thing first, the story first broke yesterday morning. Like they've already like his toxic fan base has already formed a wall to protect him and to t- not hold him accountable and to make sure he's not held accountable. So, you know, the next time he has a, a little trash meal at McDonald's, a Burger King or a shoe or something that's ugly he's going to put out, they're going to go support it even harder because th- how dare you criticize somebody I'm a fan of. <laughs> a musical genius. He auto-tune better Bobby than anybody. And I mean, it's, it's fine to be a fan of his music. I'm not saying you have to stop listening to his music. All I'm saying is there's an issue and there's an issue right now with this whole toxic fan base situation where your favorite artist can't nobody hold them accountable for nothing or say nothing to them. And I'm not saying Travis Scott needs to go to jail. I don't, I'm not saying anything like that, but I'm saying socially the people in the music community, like his peers in the musical community need to pull him to the side and be like, look, man, you got to stop doing this. How many people have to die at your concerts before you, st- you start holding your audiences accountable for their behavior? Mm-hmm. You're encouraging your audience to go crazy or go harder tear down stanchions like they lucky that none of the security guards were hurt or the the people who were ticket takers or the police who were trying to control the crowd when they broke the stanchions down they lucky those people weren't hurt i mean they honestly probably they probably were yeah somebody's probably at least injured to some extent like because i mean you got you got a thousand people rushing one area and there's eight of us guarding it you just can't stop them you're like hey either we're gonna cancel or they're gonna get in but there's nothing we can do yeah like if 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 Playboy Cardi is able to have a, he able to have a mosh pit at his shows, people rage at his shows, and I'm not saying it was fifty thousand people at the Playboy Cardi shows, but if metal people are able to do it, if other rappers are able to do it, if other genres are able to do it, your your friends, your peers who are also musicians, the other people who performed at the festival, they need to hold him accountable instead of trying to be like, oh, my condolences go out to everybody. That's not enough, cause Travis Scott, it ain't nothing for him to pay for everybody's funeral and keep it pushing. Yeah. He'll make that money back, you know. Like, but you can't do this every year. Yeah, ain't no thoughts and prayers. Sometimes you just gotta make change to something to just make it, just make it better and safer for all, all your fans. The fact that he, like, even in his little apology or whatever, you need to come out with a statement to your to your fans about like, look. I know we talking about raging, but we need to do it safely. We need to do it in a way that everybody can come out and a 14-year-old doesn't die at my concert. A child, two children don't get hurt and one dies at my concert. That's not what I stand for. That's not my fan base. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's a way that you handle this situation and you stop playing around and say, okay, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we talked a lot about 
rate. It it makes me it makes me mad. It makes me mad thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. A, a child lost his life trying to go sickle mode. And he got dirty <laughs> while he held that dirty hamburger with that little piece of bacon on it. So that's what was on the burger, bacon. I think it had like a, I think it was like lettuce, tomato. So like a regular burger. Yeah, but but it's sickle mode. You already know what I want. That's what they were saying. And medium fried. They were saying something like that. Some bullshit. I don't know. <sighs> what is it? I don't know. We transitioning, but what is it with certain fan bases that are just so annoying? It's like when um people went to the Rick and Morty, they released the Szechuan sauce, and they were in there cutting a the fool. It's like, why are y'all like this? It's just so embarrassing. <laughs> but they, they just thought they would use something a little cute and, and some Szechuan yeah. sauce bag, and people took that too far. And people, people just don't. They didn't know how to act then. They don't know how to act now. Some people just don't know how to act. We can't even look about it. It's like when, when people start being embarrassed to wear the t-shirts that represent your fandom because of how y'all act as a whole, it might be time to revisit. Like, time to address your fans sometimes, you know. Like, calm down, y'all. I know y'all like Rick and Morty, but yeah, this, this is the real world. You can't go trashing McDonald's over some stuff. Yeah, fighting for them dirty burgers. It just it, <laughs> Why do you keep saying the burgers are dirty? I, I mean, I don't know. They, I feel like they, just add, they put like one extra thing on it instead of medium fry and a medium drink, and they said they got something new. Like, no, nigga. Yeah. What was the sweetie meal? The sweetie meal? Mm-hmm. She had a meal at McDonald's. Oh, too. People can't go to McDonald's. That's true. We don't eat McDonald's. No <laughs> offense to anybody here does. Yeah, hey, you enjoy it, you enjoy it. I'm not going to tell you what and what, what not to eat. No, but. My, my digestive system can't handle no. Definitely not nothing sweetie be eating. Yeah, if I go to McDonald's, at most, I'm getting fries, no salt. So it's, it's, it's they fresh. You say no salt? So you get fresh fries. <laughs> it'll be too salty, man. That's why you don't need to be eating at McDonald's. I can't go for that no salt. You getting there trying to get a gourmet experience. They, it's the option for no salt if you go to the touch screen thing. Touch screen? They got touch screens inside now. What? McDonald's on the vans, baby. Oh, wow. You so 2008. So you order on a touch screen and then a the person, but it's still people behind the counter that like hand it to you, basically. Yeah, like they'll call your number. And you can still order from the counter or you can just order from the touch screen. Oh, okay. It's so like a Panera. Yeah. Except you're not making your own food like a Panera. Yeah, that's that's another soapbox <laughs> I think we can go. <laughs> okay, well, as we're coming to the end of the show, we're back to Reddit as we always like to end. Mm. And so, um, we're still doing Thanksgiving topics. Okay. I'm a, And I'm going to merge two, two different ones because they're both pretty short. But they have to do with kind of like the same issue, okay? Okay. So, I'll just read. I guess I can read both of them and then you tell me which your verdict is. Uh, you want to read both of them or should we just read one they're short they're they're they go together well okay let's go all right so they both are related to the dreaded sleeping arrangements that come with the holiday season when you have people over for thanksgiving or christmas mm. and so i want to read both and then hear your take on who you think is right and who you think is wrong okay so the first one is from a 15 year old boy who says would i be the asshole for not wanting my aunt and uncle to sleep in my room for thanksgiving so his family finished their basement and with it, they put in a bedroom that also has a bathroom and it's off of a theater that they have in their built in their house as well. Mm-hmm. So got money. Um, and so he says that he was basically promised the room with the caveat that the room would also be a guest room when they have visitors, which he said he's, he doesn't like. He doesn't like the idea. And now the guest room is almost finished, but his aunt and uncle are going to get to be the first people to stay there. Because they're coming for Thanksgiving. And so he says, 
every time his fam their family goes to the aunt and uncle's house, he has to sleep on a def- on a deflating blow up mattress in the hottest room. Um, but he finds the aunt and uncle annoying because they wake up really early and wake him up all the time as well. He also doesn't like that they're going to be the first people in the room. So he said that his parents told him if he kept complaining, he wouldn't get to stay in that room by himself at all whatsoever. And so he said that he wants the room, uh, so he can get his schoolwork done and have the, the privacy, but he does not want the aunt and uncle to stay there. So that's the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one is, am I the asshole for making my pregnant sister-in-law sleep on an air mattress? And this woman says that her and her partner um, just bought a house. So they're hosting their first Thanksgiving and they're going to have her, her in-laws there, her sister-in-law and the sister-in-law's husband. And so the sister-in-law is pregnant. And so the concern is, is that the sister-in-law visited a few months ago and they had other people in the house there in the guest bedroom. So they had to sleep on an air mattress and she recently said that, hey, as a pregnant woman, I don't feel like I should have to sleep on an air mattress. I think I should sleep in the guest bedroom. And they said no, because the guest bedroom is going to be taken up by some elderly relatives. And so she said, well, then y'all should give me the master bedroom and y'all should sleep on the air mattress because we're pregnant. And so um, she said, the OP said that I just want to sleep in the bed with my husband or my partner rather. I don't think we should have to give up our bedroom, and I don't think the elderly couple should have to give up the guest room, the guest bedroom. So, quick stories. That's why I wanted to read them together. Okay, well, that young boy's being stupid, and he probably <laughs> he probably doesn't deserve the room if he's afraid that uh, these people are going to get to sleep in it before me. <laughs> and it's not like he can uh, he can he can't just start moving his stuff in, and after they leave on Saturday or Sunday, just it be his room unless there's yeah. a, a elderly person coming over. Or something like that, that they really just need to sleep in that bed. Yeah. Um. So he can sit his ass down. <laughs> in terms of a pregnant lady, it's one of those unfortunate things. We're hosting Thanksgiving. Uh, you come over. The old people got the bed, only extra bed, and we're not gonna give up our bed. So it's re- it's really your choice. You can go whatever you want to do. You can do, but this is the option you have. I feel like both of these situations were so for Reddit thought that the the fifteen boy they say he was the asshole. Yeah, his ass now. Interestingly enough, they said that they thought that the woman, the sister in law, was the asshole, and that the o, the op was not the asshole in that situation. Yeah, she was that. Um, so I I don't know how I feel about both of those. I think as far as the fifteen year old boy, I think I understand the desire at a certain age to want to have your own space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure and to also be I can imagine it's inconvenient for kids to be put out of their room during the holidays now he wasn't put out of his room yet that's true yeah, but he... just in general like the idea of settling into a bedroom your bedroom having to be your space and you have to know every time basically every holiday you're not going to be able to spend the holiday in your room and so you will kind of be like just out floating around the house because you never have anywhere to go have any privacy mm-hmm. so I understand how frustrating that might be for kids but on the flip side, they got to stay somewhere. And so it's like, everybody can't afford to stay in a hotel. And if, as a parent, you put your house up. I feel, I feel like it's respectful to offer your elderly relatives, especially if they're older, they're married, their own bedroom. Not just married, but if they're partnered. They should get their own bedroom with the door that closes. You know, they should have some privacy. And it's inconvenient for kids, but it's it's better for 
two 40 year old married people to have that bedroom door closed and everything then you you just sleep on the couch you can go hang out in your brother's room still yeah like you you're, you're gonna be okay and it's one of those it's just a, one of those rite of passage ways that really don't hurt you in the long run like i don't like any rite of passage ways where okay you can either be like seriously hurt mentally or physically right, right. this way hey oh i had to leave the room and sleep somewhere else uncomfortable for a couple of days you'll be okay in the long yeah run. it's more so like it's annoying and it's frustrating and it sucks, but like that's what part of holiday travel is. Sleeping in a super hot bedroom at somebody's house, or you know, you sleeping on that twin bed at your significant other's house because they never changed up their childhood bedroom or whatever. Sleeping on the air mattress, it's just a part of the holidays when you go to stay at people's houses and what you do, and it sucks for everybody. Like, I'm sure it's a lot of people who are have bad backs they hate sleeping on the air mattress or whatever you know or they can't get up off the air mattress because it's on the floor so i definitely think he need an attitude adjustment like you literally have a whole extra bedroom being built next to a mini theater with his own bathroom boy bye i'll take that now (laughs) so you will be all right Mm -hmm. be all right because i mean even us now as a married couple when we have our like my mother or your mother comes to visit we offer them the bedroom Mm -hmm. you know that it's up to them if they take it or not but i think that's one of those things where like when you the youngest you just at the bottom of the totem pole and when you get a little older you'll be kicking somebody out of their room you know um and then as far as the pregnant woman i think that's harder that's harder for me to say that somebody is right or somebody's wrong you know you know what i think in this situation nobody's wrong Mm -hmm. It's just, it's it's just an unfortunate situation. Like, hey, yeah. we don't we don't have an extra bed for you. Um, if you want to stay in a nearby hotel, I know everybody can't afford it, but that's yeah. all we can offer. Like, it's either that or you don't come if you can't sleep on the air mattress. And I and I know like I've never been pregnant, so I can't say how uncomfortable it is. From what I understand, it's really hard for some people to sleep, and as you get further along, it becomes extremely uncomfortable. Um, but I think you make a good point of, you know, that's why some people choose to not travel. Mm-hmm. They may say, oh, you know, we gonna, it's hard for my wife to travel right now. We're just going to stay this year or we'll get a hotel. You know, it, might, it may be some other options that you have to explore. But I also understand you can't put two old people on no air mattress. Yeah, and I'm not, it, hey, I, I like, those, hey, those kids, like, I'm not going to try to disrespect their space, but they don't pay for anything. So if I tell them, hey, for two days you're sleeping right here, you're sleeping right here. I pay for all this. Mm-hmm. You're not my my mother or father. Or if it was like another elderly couple that was coming and needed someone to stay, I yeah. might begrudgingly give, give my room up. Yeah. Unless I'm already old to myself. But yeah, for the kids, I feel like if you don't have some type of illness or medical need or some other reason why you need to have your own space or you, you know, like you can't sleep on an air mattress or on a couch, then you probably going to get bumped out of that room. But I think if it was me like just thinking about if my brother and my sister-in-law were pregnant and they wanted to come stay with us me just being me i probably would offer them my bed because i feel like she's pregnant she needed me as comfortable as possible i guess all three of us sleeping in the bed <laughs> y'all three gonna sleep in mm-hmm. the bed i pick the middle please mm-hmm. that's just me i think that's just the type of person i am but i also know that everybody feels differently about their bedroom and their space like it's certain people that are like mom i'll put you in a hotel but you're not gonna be in my room like everybody is different about their space yeah. and what they like to do and at the end of the day it's your house so you do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. probably just shouldn't travel like it, the arrangement can't be made if i was her 
And the pregnant pregnant um, lady, I probably just wouldn't travel. Call her there. Or you say, you know, I know a lot of families now. What they do is they'll rent like really big Airbnbs, mm-hmm. and everybody will put in on that so that everybody has a, a full bedroom and they have somewhere to stay. And they have a bigger kitchen. And I think you know, it, of course, it depends. Everybody's finances are different, but I think for both of these stories, the moral is. When it's your house and you're the person hosting and you the person paying for the food, the food and the rent and electricity and everything, you get to make the rules. Yeah. And the guests are guests, and they, you know, the better you treat your guests, the better. But it's not really up to them. Mm-hmm. It definitely is not. But don't bring no food to nobody's house, especially not no macaroni and cheese and no pie. Don't show up trying to show out people's food. Mm-hmm. Don't have. Don't try to mess with Polo Assassin's monkey. <laughs> don't pet that. monkeys. Don't show up with no food when nobody asks you to cook. Mm-hmm. And don't you go out, don't go out there raging if you think it's too many people because you might not come out there after Aww. the rage. Oh, that was sad anyway. That was sad. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, thank y'all all for listening to us have our little conversation with each other. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and we'll see you next time. We'll have some more holiday spirit. So, you know, enjoy the morning, evening, night, all that good stuff.